Okay, so as you can see, this is like calisthenics for the mind, or yoga for the mind. As a matter of fact, it is yoga for the mind. Raja yoga. So, um, what what leads to mind wandering? Forgetting. Forgetting leads to mind wandering. Mind wandering doesn't happen until you've forgotten what you're doing. And then the mind's free to do what it always does. You know, so now. Now, what is it that leads to forgetting? Gross distraction. Gross distraction. A sustained gross distraction, usually. Although sometimes it doesn't have to be sustained very long if it's a really attractive and powerful distraction. But it's a gross distraction so long as you're still aware of the breath, even though the breath is in the background. But once the breath is lost from the background, well, then you've forgotten it. It's gone. And where do gross distractions come from? Most of the time, they start out as subtle distraction. Yes? How can you overcome mind wandering? Focus. Um, well, that by itself is not going to ever overcome mind wandering. What's that? The positive reinforcement. Exactly. Positively reinforcing that realization that happens. Now, <clears throat> what is that moment of realization? It's you become introspectively aware of what's going on in your mind. And you are also aware that it's not what you intended to be going on. By reinforcing it, you can cause it to happen more often, more quickly. And as you continue doing that, the periods of mind wandering will get shorter and shorter until there may be forgetting, but no mind wandering. How can we overcome forgetting? That's the next question. If we look at the dynamic of what's going on, it's a moment of introspective awareness that spontaneously arises that lets us know that we've forgotten and, and or the mind has wandered. To overcome forgetting, what you do is intentionally invoke that same introspective awareness. It's kind of checking in to your own mind. And the way this works, the, the, uh, in, in the way I have laid out the stages of meditation, there are ten of them. The first one is establishing a practice. So the second stage is a stage when you have long periods of mind wandering and short periods of attention. In that stage, you just have to concentrate on dealing with the mind wandering, because that's what's dominating the situation. But 
as those periods of attention start to get longer, and as the periods of mind wandering get shorter, then you can now start looking at the problem of forgetting and trying to overcome that by periodically checking in on your mind and seeing exactly what's going on. Now it would seem like, well, if I'm watching my breath, I know what's going on. I'm watching my breath. But that's not really what happens. What happens is the quality of your awareness fades. Something will come along and it will displace the breath and you won't realize that that has happened. But if you cultivate the habit of checking in periodically, you might check in and discover that, oh, there is a gross distraction present before forgetting has occurred, which allows you to refocus your attention. And so if you do that, this is the practice in the third stage. The objective of the third stage is to overcome forgetting. At the end of that stage, you will rarely, if ever, completely lose the meditation object. And I'll tell you something, in years of teaching meditation, people who follow this method get to that stage very quickly, but I've had so many students who have been meditating for years and years never gotten to that stage. So, yeah. So are you becoming more skilled at noticing distractions when you notice the kind of subtle peripheral distractions? Yes, exactly. That's what happens is, first of all, some of the times you check in, you realize a gross distraction is already there. And if you can correct for that, then you won't, forgetting won't occur and it won't lead to mind wandering. But then, as you keep doing this, a couple of things are going to happen. One is, you'll still occasionally forget, and when you realize that you've forgotten, if, if you've only forgotten and the mind hasn't wandered, then whatever it was that you were preoccupied with a moment before is exactly what took you away. And what will happen then is subsequently, you check in on the state of your mind and you realize that that same thing that succeeded in taking you away earlier is once again present as a subtle distraction in your mind. So in a sense, you're, you're on guard against it. And you're going to recognize that even before it becomes a gross distraction. And the mental process that's going to take place, uh, you, know, you, you, can, you can deliberately go through this process, but it's going to happen automatically, is that you're going to see it, you're going to recognize that's what took me away before, and you're automatically going to generate a strong intention not to be carried away by that thought again. So then you'll return to your meditation object, and you will be subsequently less likely to be taken away by that. So that's one of the things that happens. The other thing that happens is in this checking in process, you just in general become more aware of the subtle distractions that are present, and you'll naturally sense the ones that are a greater threat. Now, subtle distractions that can become 
gross distractions, it happens in three ways. One is it's attractive, and you can feel the mind drawn towards it. You know what I'm talking about? I have that experience where there's distractions. And, um, you're very tempted, and sometimes you succumb to that temptation. It's just that's a juicy thought. Eh? <laughs> the second kind are the ones that they don't seem that interesting but somehow they just creep in closer and closer until they move the meditation object out of the way they sneak up on you and you'll, you'll come to recognize when that's happening you'll check in and you'll realize that that, that subtle distraction is a whole lot more prominent than it was earlier. It's, it's creeping up on you. Now the third way they come in, you can't do much about. That's the ones that just suddenly come in and they've got you. And, you, know, you didn't have much warning. But the other two, you can become aware of. You can become aware of the ones that are tempting. And by, when you acknowledge that to yourself, when you acknowledge that this is a distraction that... I am tempted to engage with, it, it, will, it will reinforce your ability not to be carried away. And likewise, when you recognize one of those sneaky ones that keeps getting closer, same thing. You're forewarned and you're protected. So what you're doing here, in the, in the second stage, you relied on the spontaneous arising of introspective awareness. In the third stage, you're deliberately invoking introspective awareness. By doing that, you're going to get to the point where you pretty consistently catch your mind before forgetting happens. And the result is that you rarely, if ever, lose a meditation object. Then you're in the fourth stage of the practice. In the fourth stage, you're still going to experience gross distractions, things that but they're not going to lead to forgetting because you're going to notice them soon. The fourth stage involves making that introspective awareness continuous so that you're not just noticing gross distractions and correcting for them, but you're noticing subtle distractions before they become gross distractions. And your mind, you're training your mind to automatically correct for them. Anything that happens repeatedly as a result of intention in your mind is going to eventually become automatic. So, if every time you recognize an encroaching subtle distraction, you sharpen up your focus on the meditation object, what will eventually happen is that you'll just be watching as your mind does it itself. You'll observe that there is an encroaching subtle distraction, and you'll observe the mind automatically tighten up on the meditation object. And that is, that's a great step forward. And uh, when that becomes sufficiently automatic, you will have completed the work of the fourth stage You'll be, in the, you'll be a fifth-stage meditator. You'll have subtle distractions, but you won't have gross distractions anymore. The other thing that I haven't talked about is dullness. In the fourth stage, you'll also have strong dullness and subtle dullness. And in the fourth stage, you need to overcome strong dullness. 
In the fourth stage, you don't want to overcome subtle dullness, except for the progressive. There's a progressive subtle dullness that you do. But the subtle dullness that gets stronger and stronger until it drags you down. But the other kind of subtle dullness, you tolerate at that stage visit because it helps keep the mind from becoming too agitated. So when you finish the fourth stage and you enter the fifth stage, you're free of gross distractions. You're free of strong dullness. You have subtle distractions, and you have subtle dullness. And at that point, the biggest danger to your practice is that subtle dullness. If you don't overcome it at that stage, what's going to happen is you're going to have what seem like really good meditations. My attention stays on the object. What's really happening is you're sitting there in a state of dullness. The only reason that you're not exerting yourself to keep from your attention from moving is that you're in a state of dullness. And it feels good. Dullness feels good. And subtle dullness can be very delightful. And so somebody who is meditating in subtle dullness will describe their meditation as they're just beautiful and blissful. My mind is focused and still and it's great. You know, and sometimes they'll say things like, uh, I don't know where I went. I was just gone. It was wonderful. <laughs> things like that. Those are a dead end. The longer you practice that way, the harder it is to get past the subtle dullness. So, probably the most important, the, the one stage in the process of developing meditation that you might be tempted to skip is overcoming subtle dullness. Because subtle dullness is pleasant, and because subtle dullness convinces you that you're a much better meditator than you are. <laughs> but it's the place where you can get stuck, and you, you won't... All of the wonderful things that you're meditating for will not come about if you get stuck in subtle dullness. So... As we continue on here, uh, we'll come back to dullness. But let's stay with the distraction because probably that's the biggest thing that most of you are dealing with right now. Subtle and gross distractions, forgetting and mind wandering. So, everybody understand how forgetting happens? And the relationship between subtle distractions and gross distractions and forgetting? Yeah. Do you, would you go over it again? Please? Yes. Thank you. You got your mind on the meditation object, and you have peripheral awareness. And in your peripheral awareness, there are some things that stand out. Those are the subtle distractions. And they come and go. So you're following the breath, and subtle distractions are coming and going. Something becomes, one of those subtle distractions becomes a gross distraction. It may be a sensation, or it may be a mental object, a thought, memory, image, emotion, whatever. But it displaces the meditation object and becomes a gross distraction. And if you entertain that gross distraction long enough, and remember for a very strong distraction, long enough can be very short. If you entertain it long enough, you will forget the meditation object, and you will forget what it is you intend to be doing. Once that has happened, then 
when your mind is finished with whatever it was that displaced the meditation object originally, it's going to move on to something else. And so you set in motion the process of one mind. So what you need to do is you work your way through the process backwards. First you overcome the mind wandering by positively reinforcing spontaneously arising introspective awareness. And then as you have more extended periods of attention to work with, you begin working on overcoming forgetting by recognizing the gross distractions that are going to lead to forgetting if they are entertained too long. And likewise, recognizing the subtle distractions which present a strong threat. Because some of those subtle distractions, once they become gross distractions, are going to carry you away so quickly that you, you, your, your chances of being able to catch them are minimal. So that's how you overcome forgetting. By deliberately invoking the same introspective awareness that you relied upon to spontaneously arise, you had to rely on it spontaneously arising because when you've forgotten what you're doing, there's nobody home to invoke introspective awareness. Okay? But when there is, then you deliberately invoke it by checking in. And then to overcome gross distraction, after you've overcome forgetting, you need to overcome gross distraction, and you do that by cultivating continuous introspective awareness. You learn to continuously be aware of what's going on in your life. And this is, this is that same peripheral awareness that you're cultivating right from the beginning. In the beginning, most of what occupied that peripheral awareness was, was physical sensations, your body, sounds, things like that. But there was some awareness of what was going on in your mind. And thoughts. The other thing that was present was thoughts. Those were the big danger. But what you're, the direction you're moving is that your peripheral awareness be predominantly preoccupied with knowing what's happening in your mind, knowing how sharp and clear your perception is, knowing what you're attending to. Is it what you intend to be attending to? Or is it something else? Knowing what things are in the background, what uh, thoughts especially, they're, they're the toughest one. What thoughts are there in the background that are threatening the stability of attention? You don't worry about overcoming subtle dullness, or not subtle, a subtle distraction. That's a six-stage practice. You've heard the term single-pointedness? Single-pointedness is absolutely lethal to a meditator who is not yet at the sixth stage. If you try to become single-pointed or allow yourself to become single-pointed, you are either going to fall asleep or forget what you're doing. Every single time. But there is a point, and that's the sixth stage, where you are ready now to take on subtle distractions. And when you take on subtle distractions, another way of saying that is you cultivate an exclusive focus of attention or you become single-pointed. But you have to wait till you're ready to do that. And so I'm not going to talk about that right now, but what I want you to understand is if you catch yourself becoming too single-pointed, 
open up that peripheral awareness. Preferentially a peripheral awareness of what's going on in your mind. But it doesn't matter if it's peripheral awareness of the traffic. Make sure you don't lose peripheral awareness because when you lose it, you're, you're going to either fall asleep or you're going to get carried away by distraction very quickly. So we'll talk about dealing with <coughs> subtle distractions in due course, whenever that is. Tonight, tomorrow, or February. But, <laughs> um, but, but for now, yes, you had a... Um, I wanted to ask what level would you be at if you had reached um, introspective, continuous introspective awareness? Well... Where you need to develop introspective awareness is the fourth stage. And from then on, it only becomes stronger. As a matter of fact, by the time you finish the sixth stage, you have a very refined introspective awareness that is pretty much always there. But um, now, this, this isn't a totally linear process. And it could be that a person has a lot of introspective awareness even before they've overcome forgetting, but they haven't been applying it in, in a way that would allow them to overcome forgetting. So wouldn't rule out the possibility that somebody would have it sooner. Yes? Would you go over the um, positive reinforcing how to do that? Again, the positive reinforcing of the spontaneously arising introspective awareness. Yeah. To positively reinforce it means to appreciate it, to enjoy it, and to feel good about the fact that it's happened. The fact is that when that spontaneous introspective awareness arises, it brings you into a state of presence and into a state of being more fully conscious that is in itself delightful. So that all you have to do is notice. It's very easy not to notice. It's not to notice how delightful it is to realize what has happened. And usually what keeps you from realizing that is you you focus on the fact that, oh darn, I forgot. So, so there's two parts to this. One is be on guard against these negative reactions. And the second part is take a moment to notice the quality of being fully present and being awake and aware. It is delightful. All you need to do is notice it when you notice it, you can savor it. When you can, when you are savoring it, then you are you're positively reinforcing it. You're being <coughs> glad that it happened, and it's going to happen more easily in the future. Yes. Um, you used the term "feels good" about subtle wellness, and you used the term "delightful" about um, introspection, and I wonder if you. There, there is, there is a difference, and as a matter of fact, in the fifth stage of your practice, 
that's something that you really need to become very clear because uh, strong mindful awareness is delightful in an energetic way whereas subtle dullness is pleasant in a warm fuzzy way (laughs) (laughs) and you'll come to recognize the difference between those two but you have to come to that you have to you have to have those circumstances where you can clearly identify, oh yeah, I was in subtle dullness. And that's the feeling I want to watch out for. Um, So when I find myself off the object, and I bring myself back, I've gotten to a place to where I'm not um, criticizing myself, (coughs) but I'm not really praising myself either. I basically feel relatively indifferent. Uh, Is there a problem with motivation? wanting to meditate in this case? Where am I? Well, uh, what you're describing as indifference is, uh, that's not a bad thing. It's much better than, than, than being upset at yourself. But the one thing that you could add to that is, is the sense of satisfaction, enjoyment, pleasure at the positive events that has occurred. So when I come back to this, the, the, the object, mm-hmm. um, I don't find it, you know, particularly pleasant or joyful. I don't find it particularly negative. I mean, it's just, I'm here again. Well, yeah, you're, you're, you're there now. But there is always something pleasurable and satisfying that you can be aware of. And you want to be aware of those things. Um, in particular, what I'm talking about is the quality of that moment when you realize that you were lost in in, in thought, that you were lost in, in that distraction. Um, as compared to just a moment earlier when you were still lost in the distraction. You know what I'm talking about? There's a very distinct difference between those. And the one is recognizably more wholesome. Right? So I'm saying that you want to, you don't want to gloss over that. You want to give that a few moments of consciousness. Because those, those moments of consciousness are going to have a profound effect. Uh, slip into a little bit of more advanced mind theory here. All of these different parts of your subconscious mind, remember I said that we use our very limited conscious mind to train this vast unconscious mind. And there's all these different parts of your unconscious mind. The only information they get about what's going on is what is present in consciousness. So if you if something has just happened, or something is happening, or if a particular state exists, and you become conscious of it, and you hold it in consciousness, all these other parts of your unconscious mind, subconscious mind, have access to that 
information that this is a good thing that just happened, including, most importantly, the part of your unconscious mind that made it happen in the first place, but also those other parts of your unconscious mind that might have gotten in the way of it happening. So you've got, at, the, at an unconscious level, you're providing information that's going to change what happens in the future. You do that by holding it in consciousness, and uh, if you don't do that, and you can gloss over something very quickly so that you're barely conscious of it, and if you're just barely conscious of it, there's very little chance that those other parts of your mind are going to pick up on the significance of what just happened. Okay? Then the way the mind works, all the parts of your mind are seeking, let's call it pleasure. They're seeking positive affect. And so when something is present in consciousness, it can either be associated with positive affect or negative affect or neutral. And if it's negative, you're conditioning the mind to avoid it. If it's positive, you're conditioning the mind to favor it. And if it's negative, well, it's going to depend on other factors. So the whole idea here is something good has happened. You've realized that your mind was wandering. You'd like it to happen again. The result of that realization is a state of more enhanced alertness and awareness and presence. And that state is intrinsically wholesome and because of that, it, it has associated with it, if you allow it, this intrinsic feeling of, of goodness associated with it. And so what I'm saying is that you want to bring that into consciousness fully to make it available to all the subconscious parts of your mind. Now, once you've done that, you go back to the meditation object, the meditation object itself is most likely going to be neutral. But some of that sense of satisfaction that, okay, I'm, I'm back here in the present again. Okay, I'm back on the object and here we go. You know, I'm following the breath. As much as you can allow yourself to be aware of whatever positive affect is associated with that, it's, it's only going to benefit you. Uh, but it's not, it's not that you're going to find the breath, like, oh, the breath, it's so wonderful, it's so good to have you back again. <laughs> it's not going to be that so much. It's going to be more along the lines of the satisfaction. You've got a goal, you're engaging in a practice, you have intentions, and you are successfully carrying out your intentions in your practice. Yeah. Two things. One, um, I have a tendency to get a little overexcited. Like if I, if I can count my breaths and I get up to seven or eight, I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that doesn't seem quite. That seems a little more. No, weird. that that's actually fine. Now that's actually very good. If the excitement causes you to miss the next in-breath or out-breath, then you know exactly what to work on. This is really good. Okay. Five, 
six, and you know you're reaching the danger point. You're getting excited. <laughs> and, and it's like, oh, I'm going to stay you. I'm not going to lose it this time. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the, the, that feeling of satisfaction, of pleasure, will actually, the, the excitement can, can interrupt the process, but if you can keep it in the background so that it doesn't interrupt the process, then instead of being a problem, it becomes uh, a big beneficial thing. So positive, a positive feedback thing that happens between uh, satisfaction, enjoyment, pleasure, and success at whatever it is that you're doing. And that's why you, you want to make your meditation you want to find as much genuine pleasure and satisfaction in your meditation as you can. You want to feel good about your successes. And you want to accept the other things that happen in stride rather than getting on yourself about them. Because that, that's what's going to give you the momentum to become a stronger and stronger meditator. Um, you can put the count anywhere you want. That's, that's quite all right. Um, there is a tendency to think of the breath as a process that begins at the beginning of the in-breath and ends at the end of the out-breath. And your mind is conditioned, whenever it's finished a task, to move on to something different. And so there is a vulnerability at that pause between the end of an out-breath and the beginning of the next in-breath. That's a time when your mind will often slip off. So I, I suggested that you put the number there just because that fills that gap. But you don't have to do that. And it may be that that gap isn't a problem for you. Uh, and there's also a different way of dealing with that gap. If you can mentally think of the beginning of the out-breath as, uh, as the beginning of the cycle and the end of the in-breath as the beginning of the cycle, you can kind of fool that tendency of your mind to drift off at the end of the out-breath. As you go along, the standard for what you will consider a good degree of mindful awareness during the, during the course of the breath cycle will change. In the beginning, as long as you haven't forgotten a whole in-breath or a whole out-breath, um, go ahead and count that one. You might have missed the last half of the in-breath, but you got the rest of it. You know, you say, well, that's pretty good. You can go with that. As you go along, you'll hold yourself to a higher standard, naturally. As you begin to hold yourself to a higher standard, also, in your practice, you're going to become much more aware of the subtler details of the sensations of the breath. And at that point, you're going to find that the verbalization of the count gets in the way of clearly seeing the details of the breath. And so you'll know at that point you need to do something different. 
is very similar. You can use verbalizations like beginning, middle, end, beginning, middle, end as a way to, as, as an aid to keep you on the ground. But as your perception becomes more refined, you'll realize that those verbalizations are big, chunky things coming from a different part of your mind, and they just get in the way. And you'll know it's time to let go of them. Likewise, some people are more visual than uh, auditory or verbal. They might find that a great aid to staying on the breath cycle is, you know, they'll, they'll visualize some cyclic process in their mind. But the same thing will happen. You'll reach a point where your perception is so refined that holding two things in awareness at once, the actual sensations themselves and this contrived image, they get in the way of each other, and so you'll know it's time to get rid of your image. So use these things as long as they're helpful, and as soon as you realize that they're not helpful anymore, then drop them. Yeah, we we need to we need to talk about dullness as a problem and, and how to deal with it. But yes, that is what happens. Uh, and the solution when dullness is subtle is to engage more completely. But if the if the dullness is not that subtle, that's not going to be enough. What will happen is is as you engage more closely, um, the, your, your awareness tends to collapse in on itself and you become even more dull. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so we, need, we need to talk about that in, in, in more detail. Engaging with the meditation object serves both to help deal with distractions and to deal with dullness as long as the dullness is not too strong. And the, the following the breath that I just described where you begin noticing more and more details of the sensations. These are just ways of engaging more fully and more closely with the breath. Giving the mind a task to do. When you give your mind a task to accomplish, it brings its resources forward and it, and it remains occupied with that task until it gets good at it or until it gets tired at it, of it. But, um, but it's very useful until that happens. You, you had a question? Um, the subtle dullness I thought was described once, and you said it was fuzzy, and then uh, in another teacher's class, I thought they talked about it as sort of being like a drug high or a marijuana high. You think you're somewhere, but it's just a fooling. Like you're, it's, it's, you're being fooled by the way you feel. Yes, it's, it's yes. When, you, when you're in a state, the thing is that you can... And unfortunately, this happens if somebody doesn't have good guidance. Is you can cultivate the ability to enter into a state of pleasant, subtle dullness, and be convinced that you're really doing a good, doing a really good practice. That's that's the danger. Um, lots of things we have yet to talk about. But, uh, let's see. We have. 
little over a half an hour. Um, I think we should do some more meditation together and continue the discussion part. Do you want me to guide you in this meditation? Yeah? Anybody who would rather be left to their own devices? (laughs) Make yourself comfortable, make any adjustments. Stretch out those stiff parts that have been in the same position for you. Take a deep breath, let it out, relax your body. Assume your meditation posture, close your eyes. And just be here in the present. Be here with the sounds in the background. Be here with the sensations in your body. Notice whatever is going on in your mind. something about sitting here right now that is quite wonderful and pleasant. So find that. The relaxed stillness of your body, being in the company of these other wonderful people, feeling of the air on your skin. So from this place of goodness, begin your meditation. Restrict the movements of your attention to the sensations in your body. Explore those sensations. Enjoy those sensations.
If you notice any tension, let it go. Of course, you'll notice the sensations of the breath in the body. So now let your attention settle into exploring just those sensations. And now bring your attention to a focus on the breath of the nose. Remembering to allow everything else to be there in the background. Nothing's to be excluded. Especially not those feelings of comfort and pleasure. begin to count the breaths. And when you've succeeded in counting ten breaths, continue to follow the breath without counting.
Check in on the quality of both your attention and awareness right now. comfortable place of following the sensations of the breath as clearly and vividly as you can while still being present with everything else. Just get into the flow of being aware of your breath. And as you do, let a little smile form on your face.
your feelings and dullness, expand your awareness to your entire body. You're feeling dullness, clench all the muscles of your body and hold them. And now release. Do that again. And release. One more time. Be aware of everything. Just open your awareness up like we did when we first began.
just continue to be aware of everything else as you begin to pay a bit more attention to the sensations of the breath. Just enough to keep them in your awareness. Just enough to keep following them. <coughs> Notice how nice it is to just sit here and be awake and alert again.
be aware of the state of your mind, the kinds of feelings that are present, the kinds of thoughts that are arising. Thank you. That's about as rough as it gets. 
meditating on a warm Saturday afternoon. And that's the dues you have to pay. <laughs> but it's worth it. It's all worth it. Does anybody have any questions or comments for our end for the day? Yeah. Um, how do you respond to um, as the temperature kept rising because things have turned off? Um, I got drowsier and drowsier. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. You, how do you deal with the temperature? Or? Yeah. Are the annoyance and the guardians? Okay. All right. How do you deal with the emotional reactions that arise? You observe them, and you don't identify with them. You watch your mind, and when you see the thought that takes the form, I am annoyed, you let go of it, and you say, annoyance is arising. It has the right to be there. And then you just let it be. Let it come, let it be, let it go. And you don't try to keep it from coming, and of course there's things that you don't want to chase after either. You let it be, you just let it be there. And then when it's ready to go, you let it go. Okay? Yes? You spoke earlier about um, the benefit, the possible benefit of uh, leaving one's eyes open. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> more about that because I, I have a tendency to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. So I think that might be Yes. Uh, opening your eyes is one of the antidotes to dullness. This evening I'll talk about dealing with dullness and dealing with pain. These are two things. Usually in the second stage you don't have too much pain, you don't have too much dullness because it's all new enough. By the time you get to the second and the third stage, you have to start dealing with dullness and pain, so I'll talk about that. But opening your eyes is one of the milder, more gentler antidotes to dullness. And um, and it's, it's good to learn to meditate with your eyes open so that you have both options available to you. When you do that, um, you want to find something relatively neutral that you can fix your gaze upon. And then you want to unfocus your eyes just a little bit so that you're not really looking at that thing so much as you're, you're letting your gaze rest in that neutral place. Okay? But you, let, you let the light come in and the light tends to brighten you up. Anyone else have any questions or comments before we end for the afternoon? Yes? I find it hard to just watch my breath. I feel as though I'm controlling it. Oh, that's a very good thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. When you are watching your breath, your breath will change. And there's a tendency for sometimes called selfing. It's wanting to take credit for something that you're not really doing. Because it's not really clear who you is. So this five aggregates is doing it, I guess I'm doing it. But I don't remember intending to do it. So, yes. The breath 
does tend to change because you're watching it, the breath will change as your concentration deepens. When you begin to try to notice the beginning and the end of each in and out breath, without intending to, you will unconsciously alter your breath to emphasize those things. It's good to notice that that's happening. But what you do when those you notice that is you don't try to stop it from happening, you just make sure that you're not intentionally, deliberately doing it. And as long as you're not trying to make it happen, it's great. You can just notice it and say, oh, okay, that's, that's what happens, and after a while it will stop happening. Okay. Thanks for that question. That's good.